Amen. That's a wonderful song, and uh, certainly well done, and what a blessing. Don't you love the good harmony and the good songs and well done? I appreciate that very much. Open your Bibles again to Jeremiah 32, and I'll give you the title, and I'll pray, and then give you the message this morning. Jeremiah 32, and just mark your Bibles there. I'm preaching on this subject, when there is no hope, press on. When there is no hope, press on. Heavenly Father, I hunger for your power as I preach this morning. I have, I do not know how many individuals, families, churches, and even as I look at my nation today, that there are folks that look at life and they don't see a lot of hope in their life. And I pray that this morning I could help those specifically and then all of us with the truth to just keep pressing on. I pray that you'd help me as I, pe- I preach from this passage of Scripture. I pray that I can help to explain it, to describe it, to preach it in a way that we can not only understand it, but apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Jeremiah chapter 32 is a page of history of the nation of Israel. I love history because I love the lessons that I can learn from history. I, um, I pray that the election will be a wake-up call for the woke crowd. I'm not, I'm not a part of the woke crowd in any way at all. I love history. Some of it's not so good, but I learn from all of it. And uh, here is a page in history uh, where we find a declining culture of life and decency, the spiritual condition of Jeremiah's day is the worst it could be, and that's the backdrop of this passage of Scripture. Not only had the land of Israel become polluted with violence and sin, Jeremiah has been put in prison for his preaching. We've got one guy in the whole country trying to do right, just one. You would think they could at least ignore him, but they, they don't. They put him in prison for his preaching. In chapter 32 and chapter 33, Jeremiah is in prison. He's not in a cell of any kind of comfort or convenience. But at one time in Jeremiah's imprisonment, he was dropped into a dungeon where there was a miry clay and mud that had to be pulled out of the mud. I mean, it's just a terrible, terrible condition. And that's what Jeremiah was facing. And his message was the message of God to say, and as we read a part of a while ago, God is bringing judgment on the land because of their sin. We read about some of that sin. He's not going to bring judgment in the future, but judgment is on the way. It's on the way in the form of the Chaldean army that is going to invade the land of Israel. And they're going to take them as hostages and they're going to take them to the land of Babylon. And they're going to be there for 70 years. Their land and their houses that they have committed sin in, they're all going to be destroyed. In Jeremiah's nearly 50 years of preaching, 
He hasn't had a convert. Now he preached the truth. Nobody responded. The only response he had was hatred. The only response he had was mockery. The only response that Jeremiah had was a negative one to throw him in prison and to treat him of the worst kind of imprisonment one could face. It's important that Jeremiah had a job to do. It's important to point out that he had a job to do, and that was to preach a message of judgment. But as we read the story, something very interesting takes place. God said, I want you to understand that there's coming a day I'm going to bless the land of Israel again. And Jeremiah, I want you to buy a piece of property that is in your family name and uh, you have the right to, to purchase that. I want you to buy that while you are in prison. Now, Jeremiah is preaching a message of judgment and a message of judgment that's going to last for 70 years. Now, Jeremiah is in a place where you could see no hope. And a lot like uh, many folks today, as I said while I was praying, uh, there are many folks today that I know that in your life there have been times, even in this week, that you've said, I just... I don't have any hope for life. Everything is wrong. Everything is messed up. I know churches today that are in trouble. Uh, sometimes because of the pastor has has uh, resigned, or some because of health or failing health, and just a small handful of people met in their building, and, and they don't see a lot of hope uh, in their church. Our nation. I look at our nation today, and the direction that's going is self destruction. Now, I'm not going to go through all of that, but it's, it's seen on every hand. And every day you just look at it and you hear it and you just shake your head and say, how in the world could this get any worse from, the, uh, from, from every area of life? Now, this book is not a book to take away your faith. It's a book to increase your faith. Amen. I want you to listen to me today. I'm not here to tell you. And to just tell you the bad news that God judges sin, I'm preaching to you today. Let's have faith in God. And wherever you are, let's press on. Amen. I'm going to give you some things from the Word of God today and this chapter that you can write down, that you can say, I can get a hold of that. I can understand that. I can do that. I can see that. That will help me. And folks, the only hope we have in this life it's told us about in this book right here. So I'll give you three parts of the message today. First of all, where would Jeremiah find confidence for faith in God? Now, he is told, I want you to buy a piece of property. And, uh, and so where does Jeremiah, uh, where does he find hope? There are three places here uh, that I want to give you uh, that uh, Jeremiah found hope. First of all, he found hope in the fact that God is the creator of all things. When Jeremiah considers the work and works of God's hands, he understands that he is serving a God with whom nothing is impossible. If you don't have the verse marked, you ought to make a note beside verse number 27 where God declares these words, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? 
I want to point out, first of all, Jeremiah had hope and faith in the words of God because God is the creator. I want you to mark your place there, and I want you to take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 8. Psalm number 8. Can I remind us this morning that our God is not a God of religion. He is not a God of other gods, but you and I serve the Creator. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no God beside Him. And I want to say to you this morning, when you look at your life and you say, I don't see any hope in life, I don't see any help in life, I want to say, first of all, we can have faith in God because He is the Creator. I want you to look at Psalm chapter 8 and let's read through this psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who hast who set thy glory above the heaven? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now we have a tendency in our sinful body and in our fallen flesh to believe the naysayers. We have a tendency to hear those that are speaking negative. Uh, I get all kinds of negative news reports. Have you heard about this? And have you heard about this? And have you heard about this? And, and yes, I do hear about those things. And yes, I am concerned for our nation. And I would be discouraged and I would be defeated this morning except I don't serve man and I don't serve those that are bringing the trouble on the earth. I serve the creator and I was reminded this morning as I stood out there on the front porch and it was total darkness and just a little while I saw a bit of orange and gray and more orange and less gray and the sun came up this morning just like it did from the day that he put the sun in the sky I serve the mighty creator this morning and my faith is still strong in him not only because he's a creator but because of his character I want you to go back to chapter 32 and I want you to look at verse number 18. Verse number 17 is the fact that God is the creator. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and there is nothing too hard for thee. Now look at verse number 18. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands 
and recompenses the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel and mighty in works. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt even unto this day and in Israel and among other men and has made thee a name as at this day. I want to say I can have faith in God, first of all, because he is the creator, second of all, because of his character. There is no name above the name of God. Uh, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess of that name of the Lord Jesus. And I want to say this morning, you can have faith in God because of his power as the creator, but second of all, because of God's character. God's character is predictable. God's not looking for people to punish. He's looking for people to bless. That's what his character is. That's what his desire. Not only is he a God of blessing, he's a God of long-suffering. He's a God of patience. Why? Because he takes no pleasure. He takes no delight in punishment. He takes no delight in judgment. And he wants men to judge themselves. He wants men to bring their life under subjection of his lordship. And I say this morning, I'm thankful that I can have faith in him no matter what the circumstances are around me. Jeremiah in prison. He said, I can have faith because he's the creator. Second of all, I can have faith because of his character. And number three, I can have faith because of his covenant. When God makes a promise, you can write it down. It doesn't matter what happens on Wall Street. God's covenants, God's promises, they cannot be broken. What God has said cannot be broken by man. I'll stop while you say amen. I want you to look at verse number 31. I want you to look at verse number 32. The Bible says of his covenant. I understand he's pronouncing judgment. Uh, he is saying here, you're getting a whipping. I remember as a boy, even as a young teenager, my dad saying, go to your room. Boy, did I ever do some tall praying. I said, Lord, this be the best time for the rapture to take place right now. Before my daddy gets in here, this would be a good time. Now, that's what he's telling him. You're getting a whipping. You, you, you're getting a whipping, but he tells him in verse 31, I want you to know you are mine, and I have made a covenant that's an everlasting covenant. Let's see how he says it, verse 31. For this city hath been to me as a provocation of mine anger and of my fury from the day uh, that they built it even unto this day, and I should remove that I should remove it from before my face because all of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah which they have done to provoke me to anger. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, uh, their prophets, and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And, and, and when you look at that, you see that God appointed every position and every person in Judah and Israel. And he continues to talk about the fact, you're mine, that's why I'm going to punish you. But you can have faith in me. First of all, I'm the creator. Second of all, because of my character. And third of all, because of my covenant I made with you. Can I tell you this morning, I'm saved forevermore. That's God's covenant. No matter how many times or how often God has to correct me, punish me, or put me back in line, I can still rest assured that I'm His 
and he is mine. So when there's no hope, what do you do? You press on. So how did, how did Jeremiah have faith in God? These three things. Second part of the message this morning. Who did Jeremiah listen to in the time of no hope? Who did Jeremiah listen to when he was in prison? Who did Jeremiah give his attention to when he had been mocked and scorned and thrown in prison and not a single person believed what he said? I want you to listen to me. Who did Jeremiah listen to? He kept his attention to God. You know what we do? We blame God for our problems. The problems they were facing were not God's problems. The problems that they were facing was because of their disobedience. So no matter how bad it was, Jeremiah didn't say, I need to start listening to someone else. Jeremiah did not listen to the pundits of the day, and they were there. He did not listen to the cry of the wicked, though they were there. He kept, he kept his ear in tune with God. He stayed focused on the word of God. And I want to say to you this morning, when you come to the place that you feel there's no hope in life, Keep giving God your attention. Keep opening the word of God. Stay faithful to church because what we need is to keep our faith in God and never let the world or circumstances cause us to turn our ear from God's voice. You know, as you go through the scripture, it doesn't matter the darkness of the hour or the level of evil that's present. God always commands his people to do right and move ahead. Think about this. In the days of the flood, God looked down and he saw that the evilness, the evil and wickedness of man was great and, and growing, getting worse. But I want you to think about this. In the days of the flood, God spoke to Noah. In the dark days of Eli the priest, God spoke to Samuel. In the dark hours of the battle against the Philistines, God spoke to a young teenage boy, not old enough to be in the army. He spoke to young David. In the dark hours of the Medo-Persian Empire, God spoke to Mordecai and Esther. In the days of Herod the Great, when Herod was having all of the babies born murdered so he could stop at the coming of a Messiah, God spoke to a virgin girl named Mary and later spoke to the shepherds. Oh, dear friend, in the darkest of night, in the bleakest of times, God still speaks and gives instructions to forge ahead. And I believe today, no matter how dark the hour may be, you and I must listen for the voice of God. Now let me preach at you a minute. Some of you have repeated the bad news to others this week. How many times have you repeated the good news? I understand we talk about things. I understand that. I, I, I've seen now for about 12 days, we have 25 days of oil reserves left. That, that story is about 25 days old. I imagine we're out the now. I don't know. I understand all those things. I understand. I saw the speech. I'll start with two words, made in America. I understand all that. I, I saw the plan yesterday. Well, they're going to do like they did in 2018. The president said, I'm going to all 54 states again. I've been to all of them, he said. I understand all that. 
And that's disheartening. I understand it is. It's embarrassing. I understand all that. But I'm here today to tell you God's still on the throne. I'm here today to tell you I can still trust in him because he is the creator, because of his character, because of his covenant. And I can still listen to him. In this instance, God spoke to Jeremiah and he told him to make a decision of faith that made no sense. He said, Jeremiah, I want you to buy a piece of property. Now think about that. They're getting ready to be taken away to be slaves in the land of Babylon for 70 years. And he said, Jeremiah, I want you to buy a piece of property. He's not arriving in Israel. He is getting ready to depart from Israel. Why would you buy property? You buy property because you have plans for the future. They're going uh, perhaps to build a home or to start a business or make an investment. Many buy to pass along, along to the next generation. Jeremiah is buying a piece of property that he'll never see, much less ever use. But God delivers uh, uh, this message to him. And don't miss the statement, God never delivers those that turn their back on him or quit. God always delivers those that keep moving forward by faith. Amen. So what are we going to do in dark times? We're going to press on. What are we going to do when there's no hope? We're going to press on. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Moses was told to hold a rod over the water when the people were under attack. Moses was commanded to cut a, th a tree and throw it in a pool of water to make it drinkable. Moses was commanded to strike a rock so the people of God could have water to drink. The people of Israel were commanded to look at a snake on a pole to be healed of a snake bite. He told the people to walk around the city for seven days of Jericho and God told them oftentimes to do things that didn't make any sense but those were an opportunity to say I don't understand it but I trust in him I'm going to do exactly what he says to do now there were three sources of encouragement first of all he's comforted by God's power I don't have time to go through every verse but if you'll read verses 26 through 35 Jeremiah is comforted by the power of God. God tells Jeremiah, he said, Indeed, I'm going to bring judgment upon the people of Israel because of their sins. Everything God has promised to do, he is able to bring to pass. God reminds Jeremiah in verse 27, I'm the God of all flesh. And he asked Jeremiah the question, Is anything too hard for the Lord? God is simply saying to Jeremiah that nothing is beyond his power and nothing is too difficult for him. Now this is a simple, silly illustration. I want you to think about this. As a child, when you were about to get punished, you thought life was ending, didn't you? I mean, honest. When, when you was a little boy, six, seven, eight years old, I mean, when, and, 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 and when I went to school, teachers had a paddle on their desk. They did. Believe me, they did. They didn't always keep it there. They did. Now, as a boy, you know what we thought? This is the end of life. I'll never make it through this. Now you look back and realize I got hurt worse playing than I did getting a whipping. You know what these people are thinking? They're thinking there's no hope. God said, Jeremiah, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to punish the nation severely. But I have power to use the Chaldean army to bring punishment. I'm going to then get rid of the Chaldeans and I'm going to bring you back to a place of prominence. 
You see, we don't often see the hope, and sometimes we have to see the hope by faith. Uh, Jeremiah was comforted by God's power. He was comforted by God's promises. Let's look at these. Look at verse 37. Let's look at verse 36 and then 7. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof you say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Amen. And you, know what, you know what's most interesting about verse number 38? When John the Revelator saw the vision of heaven, do you know what God said is going to happen when you and I make it through this old sin-cursed world and this world is destroyed by fire? You read those words in verse 39, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. That's exactly what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21. Friend, I want to tell you something. You and I are on the winning side. We may, we may be down a few runs in the eighth inning. I understand that. We may be missing a batter or two. But I'm telling you, I read the last chapter. I read the last book. And we're on the winning side. And what we're supposed to do is when we see no hope, we press on. It doesn't matter if I see hope or not. It doesn't matter if I feel hope or not or if I hear it from the outside. My God is in control. I don't care how wicked things become. And I desire to have a nation that sees a spiritual awakening and a revival. I desire that. But if it never does, you look at any dispensation of time from the dispensation of Noah all the way through and you find God wins every time. So you know what I'm going to do? Press on. Preacher, why would you do that? Because there's children coming behind me. Why, why, why do we want to build? Can't we just be satisfied? Oh, no. There are folks that need to know Christ as Savior. There's a, there, if the Lord tarries is coming, there needs to be a testimony of those that had faith in God in the tough times and in the difficult times. I say this morning, when you see no hope, press on. Stand with me, if you will. I'll give you one more. It's not in chapter 32. It's in chapter 33. Go ahead and stand. I'm finished preaching. This bonus, I won't charge anything for this. When you go to chapter 3, Jeremiah is still in prison. And one of the greatest promises he ever gave to Jeremiah is chapter 33, verse number 3. He said, Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I made a statement four weeks ago. And I've thought of it so many times about prayer. I understand every time I pray, every time I speak to God about a situation, no matter how small or great it is, there is the possibility of a miracle taking place because when God moves, he moves big and he moves fast. You understand God can have the attention of this nation just like that. Before the sun sets tonight, this entire nation could be looking God, uh, heavenward and God have their attention. When there's no hope, when you see no hope, 
press on. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the truth of the message today. I pray, Lord, for those that I know personally, individually, families, churches. Lord, they see no hope. Their hearts are broken. Their nights are spent not just in sleep, but in tears and hurt. And I pray they'd not give up in life. Lord, they would not turn their ear to another voice. Lord, they would keep their attention on you. For you're our creator. You are. Lord, you have made covenant, everlasting covenant. Your character is predictable. Help us to keep pressing on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He's going to sing the invitation song. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, our hope is in Christ. Trust Him to save you today. You don't know Christ is saved. You want to know 100% sure heaven is your home. There are men and ladies standing at the front. They're ready to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven is your home. Oh, I plead with you this morning, and I plead with you, if you don't know Christ as Savior, let them take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home.